I can remember when I was younger, uh, my brothers and I would help my dad in the garden in the backyard. And he would have us do different things. Um, but one of those things included pulling the weeds out of the garden. And sometimes we didn't always know for sure which ones were weeds and which ones were the things that dad actually planted. Uh, but we would do the best that we could, and uh, sometimes we were wrong. I'm reminded of that uh, because of our gospel passage today, where you hear about the weeds and the wheat growing up together. You might wonder, well, why? Why would we have both grow together? The weeds are going to be taking the, the moisture and the nutrients from the soil, preventing the wheat from getting it. The weeds could entangle their roots with that of the wheat and prevent them from getting what they need. So why let them grow together? Well, this is a sign of God's merciful love. As we heard about in our first reading, that he's lenient, that he's seeking the conversion of the sinner. He's not um, seeking the destruction of the sinner. And so he's giving time for those who have gone astray, as we heard in our gospel passage where Jesus gives the explanation. He's giving time for those who are weeds to be converted to become wheat. And this is an awesome thing, that God would be patient with us, that he would wait for the conversion, because we probably none of us would be able to make it otherwise. I mean, we can even look at the saints. Take St. Peter, for example. When Jesus first calls him to follow, St. Peter says, um, Depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Jesus knew he was a sinner, but he was calling him to conversion. And after three years of being with Jesus, when Jesus is arrested, Peter, like all the other apostles, they run away for their own safety. And then Peter does even worse. When he's confronted, when someone says, you're one of his disciples, aren't you? He ends up denying Jesus three times. In the Gospel of Luke, we're given the detail that at that moment, after the third time, Jesus looks at Peter in that look of love, that look of repentance, that call to repentance from that look of our Lord, caused Peter to leave and to weep bitterly, repenting of his sins. And we know that he continued to follow the Lord after that. And in fact, in the Gospel of John, we hear about how Jesus calls Peter to repent and to declare his love for him three times near the lake of, of uh, Galilee, near the Sea of Galilee. And so Jesus was merciful. He was kind with, with Peter. He was patient with him. He didn't seek his destruction. He let him to continue to grow so that he can be converted. Likewise, we can think of St. Augustine, who had his first 30 years of life going in a completely different direction. But through the intercession of his mother and through the, uh, the grace of God, through St. Ambrose, St. Augustine came to the faith. And he made many contributions to our church, writing down and explaining what we believe and why we believe it and how it makes sense. And so if Jesus were to be so quick to bring an end to St. Augustine, the whole church would have missed out on all of his assistance and the explanations and guidance that he provided. So our Lord is patient. He's waiting for conversion. But what does that mean? Does that mean we don't have any correction at all? Does that mean that someone who's going astray, someone who's saying something that's wrong, that 
that they're not punished in any way? Do we just let everything go? Well, we have to understand our gospel passage in the context of all of the gospels, in the context of all of scripture. In fact, five chapters later, Jesus tells us what to do when someone is making some mistakes, when they offend us, when they hurt us, when they sin. In chapter 18, Jesus tells us that the first thing to do for correcting someone is to tell them personally, privately, one-on-one. Let them know that what they've done was wrong and that they should change their ways for the sake of their, their salvation. And if that doesn't work out, then the one seeking the conversion of that person should get a couple more people to go with him. And then again, try to convince the one who's gone astray of what they ought to do in order to be on the right path again. And if after multiple attempts, there's no conversion, that the person is obstinate in their sin, then they're called to tell the church, to tell the leaders of the church, and let the church address this person, trying to convince them to be converted, to be saved. And if they don't listen to the church, then Jesus tells us in chapter 18 of Matthew's Gospel, verse 17, that we are to treat them as tax collectors. We are to exclude them from the community. We might think, well, that sounds really harsh. But notice how many times Jesus gives the opportunity for conversion before that. And even the exclusion is, is, is an attempt to get the person to convert. St. Paul tells us similarly in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 5, about how we are to exclude those who are obstinate in their sins. Now, why would we do that? Well, we would do that to let everyone in the community know that these kinds of sins are not okay. And telling someone that they can no longer be a part of our community is also in their interest because it's letting them know this is very serious. And this has eternal consequences if you're not going to change your position. And so excluding someone is for the sake of their own conversion. The idea being that they would recognize how serious it is, they would realize that they're wrong, and that they'd be reconciled with the church and be back on the right track. We can actually see this in church history, in many occasions where someone would be teaching something that's not right. For example, in the 11th century, uh, there was a priest who decided to preach and teach that the Eucharist was only a sign or a symbol, not actually Jesus. And after multiple attempts to correct him, the church had to gather together for a synod and examine what his teaching was and declare that he's wrong and that he needs to change his position, that he can't continue to tell everyone that it's just a sign or symbol because it's not. It's actually Jesus, body, blood, soul, and divinity, something that our Lord tells us in Scripture, something that's been held all the way through the centuries, And so he had a choice that he had to make. He had to either hold to his erroneous teaching or be excluded from the church. Seeing the seriousness of his situation, he repented of his beliefs, his erroneous beliefs, and was reconciled with the church. And so that effort, that idea of excluding someone in order to bring about their conversion was successful in that case. So what does that mean then? Because now it seems kind of like there's two different things going on. We should let them go, but we should also confront them. Well, actually, both of them work together. The goal is the conversion of people. So if we see these weeds, we want them to become the wheat. We want them to bear fruit. And so we don't always know what is the right thing. We need to be careful. 
about what we do and how we do it. My brothers and I, we just kind of did the best we could, pulling what we thought were weeds, and sometimes we were wrong. Sometimes we pulled up what my dad had planted. What's needed is prudence. With the virtue of prudence, we do the right thing at the right time in the right way. And sometimes it takes us making mistakes to learn prudence, to recognize what is the right thing at the right time in the right way. We would need to consider, how well is this person that I'm trying to help, how well is this person going to receive what I am saying? We need to consider, am I correcting this person out of anger and frustration, or is this truly out of love and for the sake of their conversion and salvation? We need to consider, is this the right time to say something to them? We need to consider, are other people present, and my not saying something, is that going to cause them to sin? There's a lot of considerations when it comes to whether or not we should be trying to correct someone. And sometimes it's just hard for us to figure out what we should do. But we should follow the example of those in the gospel passage. When the servants saw the weeds, they went to their master and they asked about it. They asked what they should do about it. And the master, who knows everything, who is our Lord Jesus Christ, gave them instruction in their particular situation. In this case, in our gospel passage, they were to leave those weeds along with the wheat. That for the sake of the wheat, the weeds would remain so that we wouldn't accidentally pull up the wheat along with the weeds. And we can do likewise. When we find ourselves in a situation of, should I say something, should I not? We can ask our Lord for assistance. What should I do in this case? What should I do in this situation? Of course, that requires us to be able to know how to listen for God to listen to his inspirations, to recognize when he's giving us direction. And that's something that we should be doing anyway. That's something that we should be doing throughout our lives, seeking to understand what our Lord wants to tell us when we come to him in prayer, learning and cultivating a habit of listening to our Lord, so that when he does speak in those moments when we really need his assistance, we can recognize what it is he's trying to say and successfully follow him as we ought. That's something my brothers and I could have done. We could have gone to my dad and just asked. We're not sure if these are weeds or if this is what you want to keep in the ground. But most of the time we didn't. And so sometimes after we would work in the yard, my dad would then see what we had done and then he would have to correct us so that we wouldn't make similar mistakes in the future. But our Lord is calling us today to reflect upon our own lives, what ways we ourselves need deeper conversion. If we recognize that we ourselves are going astray, perhaps there's an invitation from our Lord to become wheat again, to repent of our sins. And if it's something serious, then to go to confession so that we can be converted back to the wheat that our Lord calls us to be, to bear the fruit that he desires for us. So let us reflect in this next moment of silence not only for the sake of our own better conversion, but situations in which we weren't sure, perhaps, of what we ought to do, to say something or not say something, to try to cultivate a greater sense of listening to the Lord in prayer as we prepare to meet him, our Lord Jesus Christ, in the most Holy Eucharist.